Welcome to the Consciouspreneur Podcast, where we discuss and apply the principles of mindset, leadership, and business building strategies that align with our purpose, honor the people we work with, and generate a sustainable profit. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Consciouspreneur Podcast. My name is Dr. Mary Maduna Gross, and I'm glad to have Monica here with us uh, sharing this uh, hosting stage with me today. But I really have to say, no offense, Monica, I'm thrilled that we are here with with Leon. Um, For the listeners, Leon um, wrote a book called A Shift in Being, The Art and Practice of Deep Transformational Coaching. And I read this about two years ago. And as soon as I read it, it was like, this is what I want. This is who I've wanted to become. And I want to help other people uh, show the path uh, for becoming in this way as well. And so Monica and I were fortunate enough to be a part of uh, Leon's training program to become certified as um, DCI coaches. and. Leon, it's just, it's truly an honor. I feel a little starstruck, to be honest with you, uh, to be sharing the space with you, the work that you've done and, and the skills that your program has, has instilled in me has made a huge difference in my life and in how I coach. So thank you so much for sharing this uh, time and space with us today. Well, you know, I love being with two vibrant human beings for a conversation on the things that matter the most in the world. So thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And Monica, I didn't mean to step over your toes. No, no, no. You said it perfectly and I couldn't say any better. I remember the day Mary called me, Leon, to say, I want to do this certification. Do you check it out? Do you want to do it with me? And there wasn't even a second thought I was in, signed up that day. One of the biggest blessings in my life. So yeah, hats off and thank you, Leon. Yeah, no, thank you. Not only that, but the community you've created. Yeah. So we're going to get to that. Um, But I'd like to kind of set the stage again for our our conversation today. Um, uh, Leon has an article in our new magazine coming out called The Consciouspreneur Magazine. Um, By time this airs, that should be out. Um, And so let's start with just, again, reminding everyone of those four values of the conscious entrepreneur. What what does that even mean? And I think that it is a new enough idea that we we continue to get to kind of define what that means, but we're starting with four core values. And these four core values that the conscious entrepreneur holds is that they are in business for a purpose. They want to make the world a better place through their products or services. Um, and they also care deeply about people, profit, and planet. Um, and the reason Monica and I have put together this magazine and, and are, have evolved this podcast in this way is that we want conscious entrepreneurs to begin to recognize themselves as such, that these are the values that are driving them and their business, because both Monica and I have coached clients who I, we would both define as consciouspreneurs, but they came from more of a um, transactional production kind of coaching program that was not based in purpose at all. Um, it was really based in activity. Did you do enough? Did you do the right things? Did you do it often enough? And did you get the results that you wanted? And they, they would come to us and kind of feel beat up, uh, through that process. And so this is why when I saw your, your, I read your book and I read your, your, um, had a chance to go through your training program. 
it, it, I felt like it equipped me to help serve again, not only myself, but those clients to help them again, uncover what is this purpose and how do I align my business with values? Right. Yeah. So that's where we're starting from. And um, Leon's article, when you have a chance to check it out in the magazine, is, is about the inner game. So Leon, uh, can we just start there with talking about this inner game? Because I guess what I want to do is also just keep in mind that we're we're really an anomaly here, right? So this idea of production, of, of transactions, this is, seems to be the the standard. This is how you build a business. Mm. Uh, yes. And it's almost like if you're not struggling, then maybe you're not trying hard enough. <laughs> right? Um, and so an inner game is completely changing the game. So I would love this conversation to help us understand what this inner game is and how we can win at this inner game. Does that, yeah. is that yeah. a good conversation? Sounds good. Sounds okay. good. All right. Yes. Yes. So tell us a little bit, maybe you can pick up, is there some background information that we need before we get to the inner game or do we just jump right in? We can jump right in unless there's something that you think we should know about my background, but I think I'll share that as we go. Please. Yes. That okay. would make sense. I think just in, in the context of the conversation. So tell us a little bit about yourself and then and um, bring us to this inner game piece. Okay. So I'll give the, the, the where I am today. So where I am today is that I'm the founder and the managing director of the Center for Transformational Coaching, as you both know. And we've got a global coach training organization. We've got a large global community that goes with that. Courses, events, programs, all that is there in terms of the work, right? Now, I can honestly say today that the work that I'm doing is my sole work. It is the work that I was always called to do in some way. And it took a while to get here. Absolutely. But it is my sole work in so many ways. And the organization that I want to create is not just an organization that does coach training. And even though we can say we do deep transformational coach training, that sounds very very nice, right? It's, oh, it's nice. Yeah. That's not still the end game for me with the center. And that's part of the inner game that we can talk about is why is the thing that I do not actually the end game itself, even though that's my purpose in a sense in, in living. But that's where there are some shades that I would want to shed some light on. But the interesting thing is for many is how I got here. Because I didn't take the path that you may conceive of the normal entrepreneur. In fact, I never started out as an entrepreneur. I've never even seen myself as an entrepreneur. Conscious, yes. Entrepreneur, no. Am I an entrepreneur? Absolutely. I fit all the definitions of an entrepreneur. <laughs> but I've never held that self-image. So even 15, 20 years ago, when I was on my grand quest to find my purpose right? To find that thing, that calling that was within me of my soul to do the work that I felt I was best suited to. I think I always saw myself more as a teacher than anything else. I was drawn to training, learning and development, facilitation, teaching, mentoring, ultimately coaching, 
So all those pieces of, you know, supporting people to learn and grow, which was what I was doing for myself as well, my own spiritual journey within that, all of that was part of what I saw, how I saw myself. But when I was looking at the world, I, I saw nobody that was doing really what I wanted to be doing, like exactly what I wanted to be doing. So it, there was no job I could go get. I had many jobs along the way and none of them quite fulfilled because they were somebody else's vision for what work should be. And they were never as fulfilling as satisfying because it wasn't my sole work. It wasn't that thing that I was here to do. So I never stayed long in anything because it always felt like I've got to move somehow closer to this path, this calling. So I did, I just continually stayed on that path. And now today I'm looking at myself going, yeah, I guess that's the entrepreneurial path. And that is what it looks like to be a conscious entrepreneur. But my journey has been anything less than uh, normal or conventional in the typical sense of how we conceive of businesses being built. And that's part of the inner game we're going to talk about, because there's a different paradigm of operation that actually happens when you become truly conscious in this world, an awakened, conscious, spiritually infused, alive, vibrant human being, a different paradigm comes in. And when that paradigm comes in, the game, the external game, the rules change. Man, was there a, a path that you took consciously to figure out the thing, the purpose, um, or did it just unfold as you took the different turns and made the different choices? It was an unfolding mm. and all the choices that were made along the way had to be deeply aligned to me. That was the key thing. And early on, I didn't always know when a choice was deeply aligned to me. Sometimes a shiny thing caught my attention, an idea, an opportunity, an, a venture, a project. I was like, oh yeah, that maybe that's it. And the excitement of it would propel me down that path. And some of those would go a month, some six months, some a year, and then I would eventually hit a wall. So there was, over time, a need for me to learn to discern the shiny things that got me excited that weren't necessarily really, really aligned to my sole purpose and that deeper sense of knowing from those things that were going to get me to the place where ultimately I ended up. So looking back, it was easy, it's easy to see, oh yeah, that decision was the one that really made things go forward, but that shiny decision over there really wasn't. That's one way to look at it, I guess. But the other perspective to hold is that at one point I had so many ideas and opportunities and projects on the go in this grand search that the, they had to fall down like trees in the forest being cut until there was just that last one thing. And then that was the one standing that I knew everything is pointing to this. And that was helpful too. So in that sense, I could say all those projects taught me something and if anything, they taught me what I would I should not be doing. <laughs> right. Isn't right? that true? Painful. Painful, yes, but that's that was it. Well, I, I really, love it. Go, go ahead, Mary. I was just going to say, I really appreciate you sharing that story because what that was bringing up for me is, um, I guess it validated my own experience and my own experience of che checking out new things and trying something new. And, and sometimes I think maybe the people closest to me were like, well, I, what is Mary up to now? Like really yes. this now? <laughs> yeah. What next? I love that. And, and you know, and, and, and uh, 
on one hand, I, I never liked that kind of felt judgment, but on the other hand, it was never enough to make me stop. Like I couldn't stop just, I, I couldn't just settle for what was. There's always that inner drive in me to, to keep finding it. Have I found it yet? I don't know. I'm closer. Uh, and I'm sure that this is, I'm still young enough for this to evolve into something even bigger. So I love this, that it's okay to try things. Um, it's and critical. it's all informative. It's critical. And one thing that I, I'll call that the experimentation piece of the journey, and especially if you're looking to find that very soulful work that is most meaningful and fulfilling for you. I felt it was helpful to be able to experiment with all different ideas and people and projects that that part was vital, vital to me. It created a kind of freedom space. But what I also learned along the way is that it was important that I didn't get bogged down with something too big in that experiment that would put me into a financial position that imposed things. And so I'll give you a simple example. Uh, at one point, I had written out a business proposal for a, a center. Let's just call I called it the center of life. And I wrote this big business proposal. We'd have facilities and I had budgets and staff and the course outline. I mean, it was massive. And I started to shop this thing around looking for potential partners and investors. And it fell through. It never did come to life. The costs at the time I was living in Taipei, the costs of all of that were extraordinary. And I am today extremely grateful. I was so disappointed at the time when I realized this thing likely wasn't going to come to life. It was my vision. But today I realize, my goodness, if I had actually come into that and been saddled with that level of financial weight because of my idea, I would have not been able to play in the way that I was able to play. I would have not been able to even take some of the choices that I now see I took that got me to here. So that piece, that weight of my choices, again, just based on excitement and ideas, would have stopped me from experimenting. So I love that space that like keep it light in these early days of really finding your way into that purposeful space. Keep it light so that you're not burdened by structure, if you want to call it that. And I heard, heard you use the word play. Um, and, you know, oftentimes, uh, whether I'm talking with clients or I'm just talking with people and within my own circle about purpose, there's often this response of, oh, I don't know what that is, or I would never know how to find it. And um, maybe I don't even have a purpose, right? But yeah. I think that a lot of that is because so many of us have been conditioned to live by the rules of this, this is what we do in this family, or this is what you should do. And, and this is what success should look like. And when we're talking about the experimentation, that's really different from the shoulds. It really is. And when you try to tell people that you're in this playful experimentation phase, a lot of folks will give you the odd look. I've heard the same thing from many kind of would-be entrepreneurs in, in on the path is that they they say, I'm really hearing these things from my family who are questioning what I'm doing. I have a good job. Why would I want to leave that to go do this? What are you crazy? There's benefits. You know, all of that weighs down on them. So they try to follow this conventional path that everyone says is the way to go. And it takes them out of play. It takes them out of experimentation. It makes everything very heavy. Yes. 
So much of this really resonates. In fact, what you just said, when I launched my own business and quit a contract, I didn't tell my family, Leon. I kept it a secret until months after (laughs) (laughs) because I didn't want the negativity. Right. And and it's very important to protect our boundaries as entrepreneurs um, and and not let the negative come in. The other thing I love that you said, Leon, is that it is critical, critical to try different things. And it so is. I, I often talk about the journey of figuring it out. You know, maybe you go to the left, you're like, no, that wasn't it. And so you jog over to the right No, And there's no failures, There's only opportunities to learn what's working for you, what you like, what you don't like, what you want, what you don't want. And I think that every corner and every turn, um, we learn something. I think that's that's absolutely beautiful. And to realize that life happens for us. So when a door does smack shut, to give thanks and gratitude for smacking shut because it wasn't the way. Yeah. And that's so hard to do in those moments. When something that has sparked your imagination, that have you've put energy and time into, doesn't go the distance. And there is that need, I found, there's disappointment that comes in. There were many times early on when I would wake up kind of shaking my fist at the universe going, why isn't this working out? I'm putting everything into it. I'm standing in service of humanity to create something that uplifts and empowers. Why, oh, why are you thwarting my attempt, universe, right? In hindsight, I go, oh, yeah, I can see it now, duh. But in the moment, there is still the need to do some grief work and to process that disappointment and anger at things not working out as hoped. Yeah. And I think that's where this inner game, if I'm, unless I'm jumping the gun here, but when Monica was talking about failure, the inner game came to my mind because if we're playing an outer game, failure is failure and failure is bad and we want to avoid failure. If we're talking about the inner game, what we label as failure is simply new information, something we didn't know before. Um, and so I think that's a good example of how we had mentioned earlier, Leon, the, the rules of the inner game and the outer game are completely different and it changed, those rules change everything. They do. They do. And when the paradigm shifts within yourself, then the rules of the world, let's just call it the, the, the 3d world, 4d world that we exist in don't seem to apply. Things become less linear. Yes. And we're so used to like linearity. Like if I take these actions, I will get these results. We are taught cause and effect early on. So if I do this, I should get this. And when I don't get this, then I just have to move this way and cause this to happen. So it's all very linear and very rational and very reasoned. But when you start to play the inner game and where I think I'm going to introduce the, the word heart here in the sense we are coming into a more soulful, heartfelt way of engagement with the world that is born of our essential humanity, our essential personality in the world. And we want to serve in many different ways, the people of this earth, the earth itself, the potentials of our planet. So there's tremendous heart in this space. And the conventional realm of rational thought doesn't always fit there are times like that's the paradigm shift. We're going from reasoning about everything to suddenly looking at something that is 
unfathomable in the way it's working. We have to start to recognize the trust that's required in something that's bigger than us, that's propelling us down this path. And yet that trust is hard to come by when things keep failing, not failing in the convention, in the conventional sense, failing, but not working out the way I had hoped, right? Then the trust piece has to come in. And so when we start working out of trust, when we start really working through the heart rather than the head, the paradigm shifts. And it's this new paradigm of purposeful, heartfelt, soulful entrepreneurship that is a new realm for a lot of people. The rules of that game are not spelled out in any you know chalkboard in the sky kind of thing. But the rules of the other game are you can go to any business school, you can go online anywhere, and they'll give you the seven tips, the seven strategies, the seven things that you need to do. And if you're not doing these kind of thing, those rules are spelled out everywhere. And we're taught from a young age, as you mentioned earlier, about productivity, we're conditioned to be striving, we're conditioned to competition, we're conditioned to winning and losing, all of those things. So what happens when the paradigm shifts, but we don't know how to play that game? Right. Yes. And also, I think for those, I'm thinking back to before I started the inner game. Um, I, and I will say too, uh, so I was a special education administrator in my previous life. And leadership meant everything to me. I wanted to be that leader that created the space where all of my teachers and my staff and my principals just felt like empowered to grow and knew what they were, were, were doing and felt confident and challenged, all of that. Um, and I thought that expertise um, and, and credentials, uh, schooling, that kind of thing would get me there in a combination with experience. Um, and I never got there. I never got to be in that role, the leader that I wanted to be. And I contributed all to, I wasn't playing the inner game. I was playing only the outer game. What are the credentials? I have the credentials. I have the experience. That means that I can, I'm a good leader. So now do what I say. <laughs> Right. <laughs> yes. That's and I knew better. My my head knew better. I was 15 years into, you know, th this kind of study. Obviously, I didn't have your book and I and I hadn't quite wrapped my head around this inner game yet. But I I knew better. And yet I still still acted differently. I still played according to those outer game rules. Of course. Of course, because it's actually a, a bit of a journey, as you now know, from the course, the deep coaching intensive and the work you've been doing. It's a, a, a considerable journey to unlearn and outwork some of those long time conditioned patterns of thought around the way that we need to show up in the world and operate in the world. And then to get a sense of what those new patterns are, to trust those new patterns, to embody those new patterns, to live to. I mean, that's that's a significant arc of growth that has to happen to get there. And again, we're not often taught this. So we sit there in frustration, wondering why I'm doing everything I was supposed to be doing. I've got, as you said, all the boxes checked. Why is it? Why am I not the successful leader I dreamed to be? Why is my company not as successful? Why am I not satisfied? I'll give you a client example that I'm working with. And she's just a beautiful soul, just a beautiful soul. And she has been working so hard for a very long time. And she has 
on a certain level, succeeded. So this is not about her failing. This is about success. Now, I'm not putting any monetary value on that, but she's doing just fine on that level, the financial material business level. But she's exhausted to the core, exhausted. And every day is a struggle to get up and just to attend to the things that keep the machine that she has created operating because there's all kinds of responsibility built into that machine. Family responsibility, employee responsibility, even her old childhood ideas that, you know, I get rewarded by society, my family, when I'm successful and when I'm not, there's shame attached to that. So there's all of that that she has to start working with first, that deep inner stuff, those conditioned patterns and start looking at why do I strive? Why, when I know that this is not the way for me, do I keep doing it? Why is there so much fear in me about changing fundamentally the way that I perceive the world? Right? These deep questions that just keep her in that striving, moving uh, uh, mode. I'm hearing the word judgment, right? The fear of judgment, if she dare change the way she sees her role and what she should be doing, that the people around her will judge her um, feeling that she's not enough. Yeah, that's a big part of it. And that goes back to childhood, childhood conditioning that just grows into adulthood ways of perceiving. Yeah. You know, the other thing too, that I heard um, Leon, when you were talking about this is really what is the cost of playing this outer game? You, 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 this client, you mentioned the exhaustion. Um, I've worked with clients who their, their outer game was costing them their relationships, um, costing them wealth, right? Cause they're always going after that shiny object. What's the next thing that's going to fix whatever it is I think needs to be fixed. And, you know, nine times out of 10, those things never fix what we thought needed to be fixed. So there, I think there's a real cost to playing this outer game. But again, most of us don't know what else to do. How do we, how are we, how do we function differently? So before we get into the house, talk to us a little bit about from your perception, and Monica, I'd like to hear yours too, on What's the benefit of playing an inner game? We know that the out, we know what the outer game is and we know it's costing us. We don't know what the inner game is yet, but before I get there, what is this going to do for me? Why, why is it worth the, that arc of learning that we, that I just shared? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's interesting that you say that because even as I speak to some of these things, there will be some people who say, well, that's not really much of a benefit. Because those things are not of value to me today, right? So if people are saying, no, what's really of value to me is that I have a successful business in which I earn this much money so that I can do these things with my life, then what I'm about to say may not matter, may not resonate right now. And again, there's no judgment around that. It's not right or wrong. It's just recognizing that it's around what we value. And what I've noticed is that as people go into this let's call it journey of transformation, this that journey that's taking them into themselves, where they're starting to say, I think there's more to who I am and there's more to life than I have ever been taught. 
And I am impelled, compelled to want to know this me that I am, this authentic me beyond all that conditioned stuff. So when those people feel that call, they're going to want to go into it. And part of wanting to go into it is a sense that I am carrying stuff that I don't want to carry anymore. And often that's fear-based stuff. Anxiety is a symptom, stress, nervousness, constant worry, all of that negative thinking, right? Even disease in our body begins to manifest all of this. So they start to become aware of the weight of what they've been carrying for a long time. So the first thing that there is, I just don't want to carry this anymore. I don't want to care. This is not me, but who am I? I'm not really sure yet, but this is not me. And then there's something I'm to do in this world, what it is. I'm not really sure yet, but so I can say, well, what do you, what do you gain from committing to that very challenging journey of unlearning and reconfiguring your sense of self and purpose in this world? What do you gain? My experience is that I come into a place of deep peace and deep. There's this spark of joy, the joy that I get sometimes just sitting quietly with my most essential spark for lack of a better word, that spark that is in me. And just sitting with that, it's just like, wow, I can't even put words to it. There's just joy. There is a desire to love more greatly. And I don't mean romantic love, but just expansive, radiant love, which is like an energy field, a field of consciousness rather than an emotion. Right, just a desire for that. That becomes the gift. Peace, joy. I'm not going to say we all become enlightened beings and you know, none of that, but just the ability to be ourselves, authentic, real, open, so much less fear of what other people think or what's going to happen in the world. It just the why why should I sit in fear when I can sit in love? Becomes the overriding thought. And then, of course, comes the thought, well, if I'm building something, am I building it from fear? Or am I building it from this expansive, vibrant, joyful, connecting energy that is the gift of me going on this journey? So then we begin to build things from that space. And this is the shifted paradigm, right? But it's all got to do with that depth of being that we're experiencing in ourselves. That's the gift. Yeah. What a huge gift that is, Leon. And I love what you said. Most people don't recognize or, or don't understand. So like, I want the thing that's going to make me the most money. And you're telling me, like Mary said, the ease, that's not even possible. Right. And I, I have always said that I take people from stress, fear, doubt, overwhelm, and worry to peace, calm, clarity, and focus. Whether they believe they can have that or not, <laughs> right, in the beginning. Um, but I think you're right as you start to explore that with people on what's possible. It, because they don't even think about that. They don't see it as an option. No. If you have been living in stress, fear, anxiety at, at a core level for decades, mm-hmm. you're not even really aware it's there. No, you're wired anymore. that it way. It is just the, the way, way right, you're wired. It's just the way it. Some days, yes, you experience more of it and some days less. 
And so those days when there might be anomalies in the pattern, you might say, oh, I'm really stressed today, but actually you're stressed every single day. There is no day that your perception of the world isn't fear-based in some way, right? So it, it just becomes so, yeah, it's just subtle wiring that we just operate through and we call it normal. And they're used to right. it. It is their normal, they're right? It. It's, right. They don't even realize what it was if they can remember to be in a different state of being, in a calm, peaceful, non-stressed state. Right, right. It, it's interesting how we see clients start to shift. Um, I have had, I've got a, a couple that I coach and I've been coaching the wife and the husband went to her and said, when are you going to be done with Monica? And she said, never. Why? He goes, because I want what you have, right? So loved ones, when we do the work, um, they start showing up differently. Um, and sometimes I'll joke saying it's like magic fairy dust, <laughs> right? Because they start changing within. They start showing up differently without even realizing it. But other people take notice. And therefore, they start attracting different things into their energy field as well because they're being they're showing up in a different way. So spouses notice, children notice, friends notice, boyfriends, girlfriends, coworkers, colleagues, clients. It's an entire shift. That's the beauty of the inner game is it doesn't just impact our business. Yeah. It impacts everything. It reconfigures our whole way of perceiving, relating, working, whatever it may be. Right. And we no longer want to participate in anything that is other than of that higher joyful experience. But it doesn't mean there's no hard work once in a while. It doesn't mean we know once in a while we're not putting the foot to the gas. And it doesn't mean we never burn out again. We have to be very aware of these patterns that can still arise. But the call into that space is so great that it affects everything, as Monica was saying. So we're talking about the, and I'm going back to Leon, the point you just made there um, about we are there. It doesn't mean, and once we get to this side, right, we're playing the inner game. We know the rules of the inner game and we're playing at a pretty high level. It still doesn't mean that things don't go sideways for us. No. Um, it still doesn't mean that everything's going to work out the way I want to. It, it, we're not talking about fairy dust. Well, I know Monica. Uh, I call it fairy dust sometimes. But, Joking. But, you, you know, it, it doesn't change the things outside of us, but we weren't changing things outside of us before playing the outer game. We were just fighting against it, not really changing it, just fighting against it so that we felt like we were doing something. So, um, so I think that's one of the things that I've, I've said with my clients too is, Yes, you're going to be feeling better more often, um, but these things are going to pop up because there's also more layers. I mean, I've exactly. I have been deeply into this now for for several years, and I still come up with things that wow, you're still holding on to that. Wow. Yep. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. And that's what I love about this whole journey into conscious entrepreneurship is that whenever we've reached a certain level of understanding and say even kind of a mastery and we think, yeah, I've got this, there's going to be a call to that next level. Like what's that next, next iteration? What's that evolution for me? And it might be perceivable in the business, but what it's really saying is what's that next inner evolution going to be for you? And then 
oh, I'm not sure what that's to be. And life says, okay, well, let me give you these five challenges. You're yeah, going to have a personnel right. problem. You're going to have a financial problem. You're going to have an IT problem. You're going to have a customer problem, whatever it is. You're going to have these problems. And you're thinking it was going so well. What the? Oh, well, look what just came up when all these problems came up, right? Inner game stuff. And we have to go back in and recognize that everything that's happening on that external level is simply saying, what is going on in your inner game that you haven't attended to, that you still need to attend it to? You're not enlightened yet. You're not yet the Buddha. Sorry for thinking that you are, but you're not. (laughs) And there's work to be done. So if you're truly on the path of the inner game, you accept that with great trust. And in fact, I think Monica said this earlier, like gratitude, just like, thank you for that. That, 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 on one level, that sucked, but I'm, (laughs) I'm hearing that this is necessary for my own evolution and growth. And so we can put a silly smile on our face about that kind of laugh at what's happening a bit more. That lightness of being comes in. And then we move into the learning that has to happen. So this whole external world is just conspiring to shower us with these learnings and blessings constantly. And looking for those is just so important. So important. Um, And Mary, I think you started to say, or maybe it was Leon, about, you know, when those disappointing things happen. Um, being able to step to the side and looking at it right from a different perspective and and what's possible and how could this be happening for me. Um, And like you said, Leon, it's, it's not that we're not going to have the, um, the reaction or the disappointment or the grief. You're still going to feel those things, but being able to manage it differently and showing up differently in those difficult times, whether it's in our relationships, right. When we're triggered, um, and how do we make that choice to show up differently and to respond differently as we're growing? Yeah. And the good news is that over time, we do become more like the Buddha in a sense over time. And that can be great time. But if we continue to do the inner work, committing to it over time, we do carry less of the heaviness of life. Things will stress us out less. And this is, for me, a beautiful space of leadership, too. Because ultimately, the conscious entrepreneur is not standing in the world saying, look at this wonderful business I've created. Look at the way that this thing that I have made helps the world. That's not the real stance of the conscious entrepreneur. The real stance is that the thing, the doing is secondary to the inner game that they are working on. And they stand as a leader to all those who aspire who aspire to their own inner game magnificence. And the leader stands there. And so eventually when you become more of that leader who is able to just see the ebb and flow of life, the goods and the bads in the business, just as events passing by, then you eventually are standing as the one that others can turn to and say, yeah, there is something, again, peaceful, calm, radiant, joyful, light, easeful about this person even in the midst of all of this that's happening on a business level. Wow, how do, what's that? How did they get there? And when you stand as that person and others look at you and say, I want to I learn th- how to be that. I'll have what they're having. Own. Right, I want <laughs> what they're having. Right. Then you are being, to me, the ultimate conscious entrepreneur because it's not about the thing you do. Yeah. You know what you said in the article, and I want to read this if that's okay. The business is an external expression or vehicle by which we can learn to embody higher potentials of selfhood. 
Um, and I think that ties into this. Yeah. Right. That's exactly it. You nailed it. It is an, it is a vehicle by which we learn to embody, embody higher levels and expressions of selfhood. The vehicle is not the end game, right? Everyone finds their way on this path into that inner sanctum through different means. The conscious entrepreneur has said, the means for me is that I love to create business. Others will say, I love to create art, music, or I love to make the world's greatest hamburger, whatever it is. Everyone finds their way in, but the entrepreneur says it is business, purposeful, meaningful, empowering business that drives me. Yeah, that's the expression. The thing is secondary. It's the vehicle. It's all about self-actualization. And we're self-actualizing through this thing we're calling our business. Monica, you were you and I were on the same page here with this transition to this com- this part of the conversation, um, and what I realize is I, I have the other side of the, the coin for this. So I was thinking about the other side of the coin. So we're just talking about using our business as the vehicle for us to on our path to enlightenment. It's not the end, but the other side of the coin that I was that, that I was thinking about was that who we are is who we are, not what we do, that develops and creates our business. So as I was saying, when I was in my leadership roles and I was highly defensive, I was getting a, I, I had a highly defensive culture, right? And now, and then when I learned some coaching and I started on my own journey and I went back into education as a coach. Um, now I was in a position to lead very differently and I could see how I showed up differently, helped other people show up differently. And so again, that, that idea that I guess here's where I'm going. The question that the listener might have is great. This whole enlightenment idea, that's really wonderful, but what's that got to do with business? And my argument is who you are is going to be, your business is going to be a reflection of who you are. So if you're highly defensive, your business is going to be highly defensive. If you're open and curious and trusting, that's how your business is going to be as well. So that's my argument, I guess, for why are we even talking about this in a business uh, conversation? Right. Right. So that's just it. So if someone is asking the question, what's that got to do with business? They're in a different paradigm. That's the paradigm of what we might call the world as it is today, the status quo. And there are countless organizations and universities and schools that are teaching us how to maintain the status quo of how we view business. And then there's this emerging paradigm where we're seeing that business and me is an interlinked unity field of one thing where I am my business and my business then informs me, this symbiotic relationship, it's an expression of, that's a whole different paradigm. I can't even ask the question, what does business have to do with it? Because it's, it's expression, it's me, it's that, it's what I am, it's what I do, it's all, you know, that's, that's the answer, right? So some people have a hard time crossing that bridge. Yes. And, you know, not everyone wants to cross that bridge and that's okay too. 
Yes. Uh, but for those who are feeling that urge, uh, feeling that nudge from within, that sense of dissatisfaction with what is, I'm trying to create what I want, but I don't even know what that is. That's who we're talking to. Um through the magazine and through this podcast, through everything that the, that Monica and I and, and Leon you do as well, is about f- talking to those people who feel that urge. Yes, and yes, here's the beautiful and encouraging. Thing. Oh, sorry, go yeah. ahead, Monica. Please. Here's yeah. the beautiful thing about that: the more people that we can encourage and to to um, to grow, because we know our businesses grow to the extent that we do. I think it goes back to people seeing what are they doing over there. Right. I want what they have. Boy, they look peaceful and successful. How are they doing that? And I think that by being the example, right, and having an impact, the more people, the three of us and other like minded people can impact, the more people will be impacted because they're going to see it. Right. They're going to feel it. And I think they're going to be drawn towards it because I see it happen every time with spouses. Right. And, uh, you know, people who are in teams when we're coaching leaders um, and then their people start noticing it, their people start talking to their friends and they're like, well, my the owner of the business I work for is like this. Well, they want what they have (laughs) when they see peace, calm, clarity, fulfillment, love, joy. I think the shift is just going to get bigger and bigger the more that we put our work out there. Completely. I'm in toxic. They're in joy. Yeah. Hmm. Take your pick. Yeah. Right. Ick. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's an yeah. away from goal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But there are still many, many people in the world who are driven into business for financial reasons. And again, it's not to say that the profit word is a negative word, but if it's the driver of the business, then it's business as usual. I mean, we have an entire thing called the stock market that is based on that very premise that profit and all those other markers matter. Oh, they matter. So intensely do they matter. But everything is configured around it. And so these large organizations pay some lip service to organizational values, organizational mission. They put them on the walls and conference rooms and have some nice posters. But the fundamental wiring of the organization is to maximize uh, profit and and shareholder, stakeholder profit, that kind of thing. This paradigm that we're talking about still has profit involved. Yes. And there can be a lot of profit. You know, that's one thing people say to me often on, on the path is we talk about the spiritual growth journey that is going to go hand in hand. And they look and say, well, Leon, that spiritual woo woo growth stuff. I mean, I don't think there's any money in it. Like, I'm just so worried that if I go down this, I'm just going to be financially hurting constantly. It's it's almost as though they're saying economy only exists in this one paradigm, but in this other more spiritually advanced paradigm, economics doesn't function. And that's, that's even on a rational level, that makes no sense. Economics is going to function everywhere. It just, again, the paradigm shifts. Economics in this sort of new paradigm is going to operate differently than 3D world economics as we know it. So once they realize that, then it's also, you mean there's money there? Yeah. And sometimes a lot of money. There is no limitation. It's just that the people that are there, interestingly enough, paradoxically perhaps, have lost interest in doing anything for money. 
That's what's paradoxical, right? Oh, but there's money there. Yes. I mean, if I go that spiritual route with all of that purposeful living, I will still have money. Yes. And then you talk to people who are there about money and they're like, yeah, yeah, there's money, but let's talk about something that matters. Right. <laughs> let's talk about the inner game or something of this nature, because it's not about the money, but the money is recognized as that which sustains economy and economy sustains the material life that we all have. Yeah. So absolutely. Yeah. And I think too, there, there, there's again going back to some of these um, beliefs, these core beliefs that we've been taught and conditioned, um, is that if I'm on this, I'll call it a spiritual path or this inner game, that um, I shouldn't be making money from it. Like I should, it should be just this. I should just be overly generous all the time, and that I shouldn't accept it back. And you know. I've really come to understand that whatever we do, there's an exchange of energy. And if all I'm doing is pouring out energy and I'm not accepting any energy back, I'm going to be drained at some point. Yes. I can't sustain that. Right. And, and, and life won't sustain you for very long if you're in that kind of mode. There's this need to be completely open. What falls away is the need for and hunger for excessive amounts of wealth. That just absolutely dissipates because that's seen as something that's deeply rooted in conditioning and fear that just falls away. So what comes in place as an example is what is enough? What is enough that I feel alive, vibrant, abundant, prosperous? What is that enoughness for me? And energetically, that becomes, it seems, what the world will return to you because you're open to that enoughness, right? And that will vary from person to person. But if it ever comes from greed, like the need for more, 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 then you know you've left the you've left that that state of of awareness, where it's become again about the money and the measure of that money. We all love money. Money is a wonderful thing, right? But that need, that gripping need for more and more and more, that'll dissipate. And I think for a lot of people, it's like, yeah, so I can live just in abundance and enoughness. Yes, you can. And the world, when you're open in that way when you're doing the work that you're called to do, will bring you enoughness. And every time you feel you don't have enough and you have a constriction, there's a fear you can look at right there. Go into that. What's underneath that fear, that constriction of, I don't have enough. And very often we find some little nugget from our past, often our childhood. It's like, ah, oh, yeah, I'm still carrying that. Right. Uh, right. <laughs> right. And um, I noticed... I, I live eight hours away from my family, and so I only see them a couple of times a year. And now that I'm, I'm in this space where I'm much more observant and more aware, I'm playing my inner game, uh, when I go home, I'm, I'm hearing, I'm seeing just like straight up out there, okay, that's where that belief came from. That's where that value came from. <laughs> you know, uh, it, for example, you know, my, my dad is a farmer and, and he's, you know, very proud of his farm and, and should be. And, and yet my nephews now are, are taking over and my dad's having a hard time letting that go because one of the things that I just realized is that in our family, it was work and rest, work and rest. And my, my dad is just really struggling. Like, what is he going to do with himself when he's not having to work all the time? Um, but for me, like, that's his, his challenge. My challenge is, what do I do with this idea that I have to be working all the time? Right? So that's a, a, an example of that inner game. And, and 
when we can see those people that we've grown up with, sometimes they'll just feed us what that is. And then we get to decide, is this who I want to be or, or do I want to do be something different? That is it. That is the great question that these opportunities provide. Is this who I want to be? Is this how I want to experience my life? I now see the source of this belief. Is that really it for me? And often when they go inside, the answer is no. And it doesn't mean that you're going to stop working or not be productive. It doesn't mean that because I find that people who have gone on this journey are because they're so open now to life expressing through that there's so much creative energy flowing that they want to be doing things. Right. Yeah. Beautiful. And I think that is what it is for my dad. Like he wants to keep working and you know, it's not a, uh, it's not a chore for him. Um, and yet what I picked up as a child was that's what I had to do is I had to be working. So I changed it. Like I, I'm not, I guess what I wanted to say is like, it, it's not criticizing. I, I don't resist that value and that modeling. I learned a lot from it and I learned some really good work, work ethic skills that allows me to be a successful entrepreneur because I know how to work and I can drive myself. I don't need someone else doing that for me. So I, I really just wanted to point out that, you know, on this, when you're on this journey, that you can look back and say, oh, that's not who I want to be, but there's no resistance against it. Like I can accept it for what it, for what it is, what it was. And now for me, this is where I go next. I love that we all refer to this as a journey because it's exactly that. Um, I firmly believe, at least through my own experience and that of my clients, and tell me if you agree, that it's a matter of shedding layers of the, whether you call it the programming, the beliefs, the values, the teachings um, over time. And at least in my own journey, I've come up with things like you just did, Mary. It was just this past week where you're like, that's where that came from. Right? <laughs> right. And, and, and I'm not, I believe that the layers are shed when we're ready to shed them. And I hope that's not just me because I'm still shedding. <laughs> I'm still, I'll come across these realizations or maybe I have an internal reaction and really questioning, well, what is that? And Mary and I work with each other and coach each other every week and, and we coach each other through the muck, right? If something comes up, let's work through it. Let's release it. Let's figure out what needs to emerge, what's inside. Um, and so I really think that it's a lifelong journey. You know, do we ever arrive? I don't think so. Right? I think this is a perfect example. Of, Simon Sinek talks about the infinite game. For me, this is my infinite game. Mm. Uh, I, I'm going to go back to what we were saying earlier about that symbiotic relationship between me and my business. Um, and that my business gives me the context for which to evolve. And as I evolve, I am growing and, and not just growing like, bigger, but I'm evolving the, I guess, the consciousness of my business. That's just it. And that is everything, Mary. It is everything. It is everything. And for some folks, they're like, what do you mean? How can that be? No, that is everything. It is the whole game of life in a thought to evolve the consciousness of you, of your business, of humanity. That's it. 
Yeah. This game is both the most difficult experience and the most joyful experience. All in one, isn't it? <laughs> All in one. <laughs> All in one. Yeah. All in one. Yeah. How are we feeling? Do we feel complete? Yeah. I am. Perfect. There's there's a lot of conversations within these conversations, but for now. Oh, we could go good. down so many rabbit holes, Leon. Oh, yes. So I'm curious, uh, yes. Leon, do you have any upcoming classes um, or things that the public, that the, the readership may want and the listeners may want to check out? Absolutely. Well, there's always our signature program, the one that you two have both taken, the Deep Coaching Intensive at the Center for Transformational Coaching, a five, six-month inner journey. Now, we call it a coaching journey, mm-hmm. right? As it seems like, oh, it's for coaches, but the reality is that is just a layer of it because, as you both know, it's just about how we show up in this world ultimately, so this is beginning, we start one every September, January, and May. So the next one is coming up in September, mid-September. So if people would like to know more, you just go to our website, centerfortransformationalcoaching.com, and it's pretty much right there on the front page for you to dive into and learn a little bit more about. But yeah, it's a journey of coming into this space that we've been talking about on this whole call. And just for the listeners, you can always pick up a copy of the book, A Shift in Being by Leon Vanderpool. An incredible, incredible read. Thank you for putting that out into the world. Yeah, that was a true labor of love amidst it all. I tell you that. Yeah, years in the making, but it turned out beautifully. And the reception has been wonderful. Yeah. So much gratitude for you, Leon, for um, not only being here today and blessing us and the listeners with your time and energy, but for the work that you do, for for finding your purpose and fulfilling it and providing, um, having the impact that you have on the world. Thank you. And to have these kind of conversations with the two of you and likes of people like you on this path, it's, it's everything for me. So thanks. Thanks for the invitation to just be with you in this space. All right. Um, so we will make sure that we have the links uh, to the center and um, so that people can click on those. Again, I also want to say, Leon, thank you so much for sharing with us. Um, you have helped me understand this inner game at uh, a level that I didn't know before. And it's made all the difference both to me personally as well as professionally. Thanks for listening. We're not just a podcast, we're a community. So before you go, we invite you to join the Consciouspreneur Mastermind community. We are a powerful movement of high achieving, impact focused entrepreneurs who are leading the charge, making the world a better place through business. We offer a comprehensive suite of tools, techniques, support, and direction all rolled up into a community driven inspirational launch pad. We will nudge you out of your comfort zone and into your genius zone so that you can lead your business with clarity and focus. If you're looking for a community of like-minded and like-spirited people who support your personal development and business growth, well, you found the right place. Plus, we have a lot of fun. After all, if you're not having fun, you're not doing it right. Remember, we're all in this together. Check out the link in the details in the description below and help our community grow by liking, subscribing, and sharing the content. We look forward to having you join us next week. Until then.